episode 56 of Girl Mode. I'm one of your hosts, Robin B. And I'm your other host, Willa Rowe. There we go. You got it. Yeah. So yeah, we have an episode full of like huge, important news, um, lots of big developments, important geopolitical uh, topics to discuss. Uh, so we should probably get right into them. Uh, yeah, the, do you wanna... the geopolitics of the Marvel Universe. <laughs> Because we're back, baby. You think we would let us get out of 2023 without another X-Men episode? Willa would not see to that. Yeah. It's an early Christmas. It's an early holiday gift for everybody. Is it a gift for you anymore? Because from the way you were texting me last night, it seemed like this has become more of a curse. So here's what I'll say. Um, This is a gift. I still enjoy this greatly. It's just that... As you will discover in the next hour and a half or so, the the 90s are the dark ages. They are okay. terrible. But we're going to do it. We're going to do um, it. So yeah, for those who aren't aware, <laughs> instead of doing gaming stuff this week, we are bringing back a series that is ongoing and will be who knows how many parts. Yeah, our most and beloved it- episodes. <laughs> Yes. And you know what? I did is... look at that like Spotify wrapped for podcasts thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the original, the first X-Men episode, it was, I don't think it was our like most popular episode, but it was the one that most people like subscribed after, <laughs> which is like, very funny <laughs> to me. I wonder I how really many of those people that. immediately were like, wait, this isn't a show about the X-Men. Yeah. I'm leaving. Um, but yeah, so. We are back. This is the third episode. If you want to mm-hmm. go back and listen to those, um, you can find them. I don't remember the exact episode numbers, yeah, but we'll put them in the show notes. Yeah, they're titled um, "Giant Size Girl Mode Number One" and then "Sisterhood of Evil Podcasters," I believe. But without further ado, well, wait, huh? a li- one more further bit of ado. I do want to put you on blast. You both times that we have done this before, you have set a goal for where we're going to end the episode and we got like 50% of the way there and we were just talking you are you're very confident that we're going to make mm-hmm. it to the Grant Morrison era by the end of this show and yeah. i just want to have that out there in case we don't just to let it be known <laughs> i want to be clear once again I got have... two sidetracks to finish your notes your five no, pages of notes i finished my notes Okay, I I did my notes up until Grant Morrison. Uh-huh. So no matter what happens, I don't no, care I know how you, long you wrote it is. your notes, but to get to the end of them, yeah, yeah, you're staying here, and we're getting to Grant Morrison. <laughs> I don't care Willa how long it takes. has locked me in my apartment. Okay, now am I now okay to go? Further, okay, now you can proceed you. without further ado. So, um, I think the best place to start is where we left off. Last time you had me try to remember. I think that is what we should do this time as well. Okay. So I know where we started last time was Scott Summers meeting Madeline Pryor Mm -hmm. and immediately falling in love with her because she looks exactly like Jean Grey and then getting married and having a kid over the course of like a long weekend. And then Madeline Pryor at some point. Madeline it turns out Madeline Pryor is a clone. 
of Jean yeah. Grey. And that drives her crazy because women be crazy. Uh, and because of that, she drags the world into hell, a hell dimension. And then they have to kill Madeline Pryor to get them out of the hell dimension. And then, oh, at some point at this in this this whole storyline so scott and some scott and madeline have have a kid and that kid is the kid isn't the it's not the girl right it's the boy it's the boy you're right the girl was scott and phoenix force right (laughs) yes you're talking about rachel rachel i'm talking about yes but the boy is madeline Pryor and scott Mm -hmm. and the boy's name is what did you just say nathan nathan was nathan aka Cable, which I guessed because I'm a genius. Yeah. So um, to be clear, um, you guessed that, but at the point we got to in the comics, it wasn't officially revealed yet. Oh, okay. So that will that's a real uh, revelation that will come in the nineties. It, it'll come in the next like ten minutes. <laughs> sure. Okay. Interesting. So yeah, Scott and Madeline have a baby, which Scott sends into the future to avoid having to take care of it, and then the baby becomes cable later and gets the mutant power of shooting guns and then also at some point uh gene gray uh is found sleep in a sleeping bag at the bottom of the ocean uh she comes back i kind of don't really remember what happens with her so the, the, i think the first episode was we followed some like pretty clear storylines i think the second episode was just chaos there was just a lot of shit happening there was a lot of like people switching uh, who was in control of the X-Men. Like, um, Magneto came and LARPed as uh, Charles Xavier's brother for a while. Brother, to take over, yeah, His roommate for a while. And took over, like, the, the Academy. And then Scott and Storm took over the control of the, like, interesting parts of the X-Men and formed their own separate superhero teams called, like, the Blue Team and the Gold Team. So, well, you're kind of skipping some stuff, but yeah, um, that's more where we are now is that they break into the blue team and the gold team, which are led by Scott and Storm. Storm has like a crush on her best friend that she can't handle and it causes her to get a mohawk and a leather jacket. We've Um, all been there. We've all been been there. Um, (laughs) What else happened of interest? I don't know. What else happened? So honestly, the biggest thing to remember from the last period is uh, Nathan Summers being sent off to the future, the techno-organic virus being a thing, mm-hmm. um, and then the like business drama. Do you remember the business drama? The biz- Oh, yes, right. We ended in... I, I really like that part, actually. You you taught me a lot about how, how the comics, how the biz works. That's going to um, be a big element of this episode. So all this time, Chris Claremont has been in charge of the X-Men. And then in the 90s, due to technological progress in the realm of like comic book printing techniques, artists started becoming more important than writers to Marvel. So... Chris Claremont was teamed up with Jim Lee to start a new X-Men series. And then they didn't like each other. So Chris was like, fuck this, I'm leaving. And then a couple of months later, Jim Lee was like, fuck this, I'm leaving. 
And he and a bunch of other artists formed Image Comics because Marvel was probably paying them like 45 cents an issue or something. And I guess that's at that point that the X-Men kind of just became a thing where it was sort of, I don't know, I guess that's where we are now. I don't know what happens to it. Yeah. And you asked this question at the end, like you you basically asked after Chris Claremont left and Jim Lee left, who took over? And I told you then, and it's very true, it's very much in the 90s, there's no like writer who defines the era. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be writers who write a couple events or a couple lines. And then honestly, they it's like a revolving door. The X-Men line becomes a revolving door. A writer comes in, does a couple things, they leave, they're replaced by somebody else. It is interesting, though, when you look at the 90s X-Men, that a lot of big name writers do make their mark here. Scott Lobdell is a writer who you will see a lot of when you look at like X-Men comics in the 90s. Mark Wade, he makes his like first big splash in Marvel writing um, a big event that we will talk about. Uh, Jeff Loeb does some work uh, with Marvel at this time. Warren Ellis canceled. Uh, he he does some work here, but like they have a lot of writers, but none of them get enough time to really define the X-Men mm-hmm. under their like control. It's really that at this time, instead of being controlled by a writer with a vision like Claremont, X-Men and frankly, all of Marvel's lines at this time are controlled by the corporation. They are all slaves of making money. It -hmm. is no longer about like doing interesting stories. Yeah. Before we even get into like actually picking up, there's one thing that I need to address because Harrison, my friend who I've talked about before, (laughs) we have this fight that he keeps asking me to bring up on the podcast. Okay. And it's about... I thought this is going to be another correction, like Zoe insisting that you tell me uh, Warren's full Warren name. Worthington the third's full name, which was a, a good note. <laughs> it's about a specific character in the X-Men that okay. Harrison has uh, has uh, this uh, thing about. So I'm going to send you this character. I'm going to send you okay. their name. And I need you to pronounce it for me. Okay? Okay. Oh, wait. I, I spelled that wrong. Oops. <laughs> this says Minister Sinister. <laughs> Sorry, wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh pronounce this character's name it's mr sinister okay say that one more time very clearly harrison i want you to listen to me stop whatever you're doing it's pronounced mr sinister i think what you're gonna do is you're gonna try to tell me this is like mr sinister or something <laughs> stupid like that and i want you to know that's that's dumb and you should stop that is exactly what harrison thinks <laughs> Why does he think that? I don't know. He's like, well, that's why it's named that. It's Mister no. Sinister. I mean, like, no. I mean, sure, it's why it's named it, but that, but it's it's written down like the the yeah. It's it's not supposed to rhyme. It it like looks the same. It's whatever the visual equivalent of rhyming is. Mister mm-hmm. so, Sinister. Just Get the on fuck the record, on the record, Harrison is wrong and stupid. Yeah. Glad we have that. Um, oh, so. I, you know what? This does remind me. I did also just discover that we can do polls on our episodes now. Somehow through Spotify. I told you about this. It's oh, one of the yeah. Spotify things. We can do a, a poll. How do you pronounce <laughs> Mr. Sinister? The right way or the Harrison way? This is a great idea. I just have to learn how to do it. And I also have literally no idea where anyone would even find that. But we can do it. I think we should do it for this episode. We'll figure so. it out. So 1991. Um, Jim Lee is out. Chris Claremont are out. 
now we have the the line of X-Men. There's a this bunch is of completely comics irrelevant, now. But what does Jim, what do Chris, Lee, Chris Claremont and Jim Lee do at this point? Are they, I mean, I know Jim Lee is at Image, so he's doing some other mm-hmm. comic, but like, what are they both doing? Uh, Jim Lee runs, so he's at Image and he has a bunch of comics. Um, I forget which ones he specifically does. I think Gen 13. Yeah. So Gen 13 is one of the things he does. And then, He's basically running image making poorly written comics that are <laughs> just art. It's it's uh-huh. wild because like today image is known for like making some of the best like really interesting stories and in comics. Yeah. But frankly, at the time, it was just about making badass art with buff guys and big titted girls. Yeah. I think, yeah, like as a not a, not much of a comics person in this realm of comics, I feel like all of the. The, all of the comics that I, I think I have liked that are not just like, you know, weirdo little indie things are always either like Dark Horse or Image. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that is that is weird to hear that they started as they were like shitty at first. I've never heard of Gen 13, though, so I guess that tells me something about what was going on in there at that point. Yeah. And um, Chris Claremont, he's kind of not really doing much. Yeah. Just taking I think he a break writes, from running a comic for like a decade. Yeah, I think he writes a couple things, but like he's not really doing anything big. Mm-hmm. He needed he needed a break. Yeah. Okay. So 1991, we're moving on. The big thing that starts this new era is that there's a character who shows up called Bishop. I know him. He's Cable's friend. Uh kind of, yeah. So Bishop shows up and he comes from the future. And he basically shows up with his big thing. He's like, hey, X-Men, there's a traitor amongst you. Oh, shit. Somebody here is going to betray all the X-Men. Um, he doesn't know who it is, but he was sent to the past to try to figure it out. Hmm. Then also at this time, you have this villain named Strife who shows up. Strife, um, he's like decked out in metal. He looks... Wait, wait, wait. I need a visual aid. This is... Yeah. We have to keep this tradition going yeah i like getting sent just a random artwork from the x-men this is strife <laughs> okay yeah he's very silly yeah it's a little robocopy it's it's weird i don't like love if it. robocop was a knight kind of yeah and essentially his whole thing is he really has it out for <laughs> i'm sorry i just I just enlarged this cover, and I really love that in the middle of the image is Scott Summers firing a laser beam like six inches above a baby's head. Yeah. So Strife basically has it out for Scott and Gene and Nathan. Um, But Nathan is obviously in the future. Mm -hmm. So Strife infects Charles with the techno-organic virus. Okay. And he blames it on Cable. Because Cable obviously has the techno-organic virus. And then at this point, Strife also releases something called the Legacy Virus, which is this huge virus that kills a bunch of mutants, including Ilyana. No. Magic? Yeah, it kills magic. No. It's okay. She'll be okay. Not my favorite mutant. Mm -hmm. I know, seriously. And then... I can't believe she's dead forever. Yeah, another thing that's going back. on. Definitely. Another thing that's going on. This is like, you could say that about literally every mutant. All of them die a million <laughs> yeah. times and come back. Put a pin in that for the very end of this episode. 
Wait, seriously. Wait, in Ileana dying or in dead people coming all back to mutants, life? All mutants dying. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, while strife is happening, Magneto is back. And he's just evil again now. Cool. Don't worry about it. He's evil. He just got fucking sick of... Yeah. He was a principal for a semester and was like, you know what? World domination again, actually. (laughs) And he starts leading a group called the Alkalites, which is not as cool as the evil Brotherhood of Mutants. And basically, Magneto just goes on a full, full on like bad guy rampage. Cool. And he starts killing a bunch of humans. Um, And the X-Men have to like face him and Wolverine tries to attack him. And this is a very famous moment. Wolverine attacks Magneto, and Magneto does this. Oh, he takes all his metal out. Yeah. He rips all the adamantium out. And because of this, Xavier basically sees Magneto and is like, you've gone too far. You're like ripping the adamantium out of Wolverine. You're killing so many humans. You have gone too far. So I am going to shut you down. Mm -hmm. And he puts Magneto in a catatonic state. And, like, wipes him. He basically, like, mind wipes him. Jeez. So Magneto's in a coma. Uh-huh. There's a um, lot of comas in the X-Men. Yes, there are. There will be another one <laughs> soon. Also, while all this is happening, line-wise, there's, like, the gold team and the blue team. So there's mm-hmm. X-Men and Uncanny X-Men. But now there are also other books. There's a Cable comic. In the Cable comic, the Cable comic really picks up the story of, like, Strife and Cable and the techno-organic virus. This is eventually when they officially drop, oh my god, Cable is Nathan Summers. And everybody's like, yeah, who could have seen this fucking coming? (laughs) Like, we get it. Meanwhile, um, and this will happen every decade also. So, remember how the New Mutants came into existence? They were, like, the Um, young team... Oh, yes. I thought you meant, do I remember how they came into existence? Mm -mm. Just that they exist. The New Mutants is a really funny thing because the New Mutants were made to be like the new line of young mutants because we want young kids. But Mm -hmm. obviously they grow up, but they always still call them the New Mutants because they don't want (laughs) to rebrand. So instead, what happens is like every decade, they have a new young team and they just have to come up with new stupid names for them. Yeah. Instead of just being like, well, the old New Mutants are now part of the X-Men, and now there's a new group of New Mutants. The new New Mutants. The new, yes. The yeah. new New Mutants. So at this point, what happens is there's this group called the Phalanx. They are like alien techno yeah. beings. I feel they're like that was of, in that book that I read about the techno-organic virus. They have to do with that. It's They're honestly like, even for me, I really don't get them. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> So we're just going to kind of gloss over exactly what they are. But they kidnap a bunch of young mutants and some of the team of the X-Men. And the person who saves them is Emma Frost. Wait, they kidnap some of the the new mutants or the new new mutants? No, no, no. Sorry. They kidnap just a bunch of young mutants in the world. Oh, okay. Okay. Like nobodies that you've never heard of. And some (laughs) X-Men. Uh-huh. And then uh, Emma Frost, who is at this point kind of like, she's not really bad. She's kind of just hanging around. She She stopped being evil. Yeah. Uh, She saves them all. And because of this, she actually becomes the new headmaster of the Institute. 
of oh the Xavier God, Institute they for really Gifted Youngsters. They really need a better fucking system. Yeah, I, know. I, I I feel like you know people people can change, but I feel like there needs to be a cap on the number <laughs> of times you've tried to kill the students of the academy that mm-hmm. like disqualifies you from becoming like in charge eventually. That would disqualify like everybody though. That's true. So wait, does is at this point in the comic, is the Hellfire Society still a thing or has that disbanded already? It exists. It's okay. always around. It's just Emma's not a part of it. Okay. But Emma takes over as the head of the school and she starts teaching these young mutants and they form what is known as Generation X. Oh, God. And then now we're going to get to a thing that is the first big story arc of the 90s. Well, it's Okay. To talk about where we are in the timeline of like the actual world, we are in 1995 now. There's a mm-hmm. bunch of random story arcs that honestly, they have little bits and pieces, but there's not a lot of big things that happen. So we kind of glossed over them. I gave you the like the bullet points of what's important from those things. But then we get to the first like real major event that happens in the 90s, and that's in 1995. It's an event called Age of Apocalypse. Okay. And Let me guess, start- Apocalypse comes back. He does. Or is introduced. Has he been here before? He's been here before. He showed up um, to like, they fight him. It's not really a big deal. He's just okay. one of the villains that shows up. But this is like where he gets his like big moment. Essentially what happens is this starts, this all starts with a story arc called Legion Quest. It's a where terrible we're, name. <laughs> we're introduced to this uh, this mutant. He's a schizophrenic mutant. He is the child of Charles Xavier. Oh, yeah. His name I is David Haller. Okay, listen. Legion, the TV show, is like one of the best superhero things ever made. That's what. It, yeah, I have a friend who like doesn't give any kind of a shit about any of this, and she like keeps telling me to watch Legion. So I I, I trust that it's good. It's incredible. Um, But anyways, Legion shows up. And Legion, he is the child of Charles. And he's like... Wait, of Charles and whom? um, A woman named, I think it's uh, Gabrielle Haller. She's she's just a woman. Not an an alien from the moon or a clone of of somebody else or (laughs) a lady from the future or whatever. No, one of Charles' many bitches. Okay. he gets around. He really does. <laughs> uh, Legion, in his like mind, he he's also an incredibly powerful mutant where mm-hmm. um, he's able to manifest a bunch of different powers, but they all happen. J- just be aware, this is the 90s. They all happen through like different schizophrenic personalities. Sure. Yeah. Um, and in his like insan- insanity, he believes that the issue of like the mutant world all stems from magneto being evil and he decides that the way to fix it is to go back in time and kill magneto before magneto starts doing bad things Mm -hmm. so he goes back in time to the 40s and he finds magneto but at this time magneto is still friends with charles and they're hanging out and legion goes to kill magneto and Charles sees this and he basically like pushes Magneto out of the way. He's like, no. And <laughs> Legion ends up killing Charles. Oh, no. And essentially what happens is this creates an entire new timeline. Uh-huh. Why did why would he attack 
Magneto when Charles was there. It like, doesn't why not just go sense. back and like smother him in his sleep? It really I mean, is. Charles the... might be there too, to be honest. But you know, find him at a time when <laughs> Charles isn't around. It's hard to find a time when Charles isn't in Magneto's bed. <laughs> That's a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> the other person who's around at this time, right when the new timeline starts, is actually Bishop, because Bishop is sent back in time to try to stop Legion. Okay. And he fails. And so he gets thrown into this new timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is the only person who remembers the old timeline. And the the explanation for that is very, it's like very haphazard, but you kind of have to go with sure. it. It's that since he's someone who's traveled through time so much, he is able to recognize the split in the timeline and remember the other timeline. Mm-hmm. And so his goal is to be like, Everything is wrong and I need to fix it. This is essentially the 90s take on Days of Future Past. Right, right. Which was the one where they went to the future to stop Peter Dinklage. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, here, basically what happens is, let's give you a little bit of a rundown about the, the actual timeline that happens. So with Charles getting murdered, Magneto, he, it doesn't really make too much sense, but Charles is essentially like, I believe in you, Magneto, like you can like keep my dream alive. Mm -hmm. And because of this, Magneto sees Charles as a martyr now and he gives up his ways of being like, I think the only way forward forward is violence. He starts believing that like, you know, there is a way to make Charles dream of like humanity living alongside mutants a reality. So he becomes essentially like the new head of the X-Men and all of this. But of course, the X-Men don't exist yet. Um, The Xavier Institute is never founded. Mm -hmm. And then something happens, which is where the fuck is Apocalypse? Why is it called the Age of Apocalypse if he hasn't shown up? So what happens is because Legion kills Charles, Apocalypse is like in the background, just kind of like watching humanity, like waiting for his time to strike. And he sees Charles getting murdered as his chance. And that creates a new timeline where, where Apocalypse like does his uh, attack for world domination 10 years before he does in the main timeline. And because the X-Men don't exist, there's nobody to stop him. Okay, wait, wait, wait. When does he do his attack for world domination in the main timeline? It's like Is it just in, something we didn't cover? It's really one of those things we didn't cover. It's just okay. in the 80s. Okay. It's so when he first we... shows up. But Okay. So at the time when Xavier is killed, mm-hmm. is he Professor X? Like is he they're just two they're just two young men in love who happen to have mutant powers. Yeah. It's one okay. of those things where the timelines of like Marvel are so weird where it doesn't really make sense sure. because Legion goes back to the 40s and then they say it's 10 years before Apocalypse shows up. But the first time Apocalypse shows up in the comics is like, God, I can look it up. But the first time he shows up in the comics, though, is 1986. Okay. So tell me about Apocalypse. I don't need to know about a storyline, but who is, why do, why do I care about this guy? Apocalypse is an immortal mutant who is, uh, he's ancient. He's been around since ancient Egypt. He goes by Anseben Nur. He's essentially like, there's this whole storyline where 
ancient Egypt actually had a thriving mutant population because he took over and he was this big dictator and he was essentially like a god pharaoh. What One of his powers is that he can like imbue power into other mutants and he starts having these at any given time he has these like henchmen who he calls them the four horsemen because it's the four horsemen of the apocalypse he's got a motif going yeah branding is important his whole thing his whole thing is about like evolution he sees mutants as the pinnacle of evolution so he wants evolution to keep going so that mutants can take over and he sees humanity as like they don't fucking matter. They should be a slave class or they should be wiped out. So that's his deal. Okay. So and then, this so, is the anti-evolution story. Yeah. And then for Agent Apocalypse... They have Apocalypse, to go to court to convince Apocalypse <laughs> that evolution isn't real and that's how they defeat him. Oh my God. <laughs> That'd be pretty great. <laughs> then, God, just the idea is making me lose track. <laughs> but essentially, Apocalypse takes the opportunity of Charles dying to like jump in, take over the world. And because Charles is dead, he never had a chance to form the Xavier Institute. He never had a chance to found the X-Men and find other mutants. So can Apocalypse see the future? Like, does he know that Charles is going to become a special? So it's not that he knows that he's going to like found the X-Men, but from birth, Charles is like an Omega level mutant. He's incredibly powerful. So he, he can see that he's a threat. He okay. People are always aware he's a threat. He was always super powerful. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So it's not that he's like, ah, this is my chance to change the timeline. It's just he's like, this is my chance to like make my move. And cool. so, basically, from here, Apocalypse takes over most of the world. He mainly takes over all of North America. He collects a bunch of allies. He starts killing humans. He puts them in like death camps. He subjugates everybody and he's Mm -hmm. just king of the world, essentially. And then the way that the timeline weirdness works is that Bishop gets sent to then like, quote unquote, that modern day of the timeline. So it's now been like X amount of years after Charles was assassinated in this new timeline. And in this world now, By this point, Magneto has started like essentially a little resistance group of Mm X-Men and they're all a bunch of characters that like you don't recognize because... Because I don't know anything about this comic. Exactly. But because most of the characters you actually recognize are doing other things. Wolverine (laughs) is not Wolverine because Charles was never around to like wake him up. So instead, he's still Weapon X and he is like a murderer. He's a murderer for Apocalypse. Um, Mm. Scott and Jean also work for Apocalypse. One of the best parts, and we're going to talk about this character now, is what happens to Beast in this timeline. Okay. So in this timeline, without Charles Xavier, Hank McCoy, because he's such a genius, he doesn't have Charles's teaching and morality to like hold him back so he becomes a psychopathic serial killer and like mad scientist (laughs) who essentially uses humans and like experiments on them and also experiments and tortures mutants he's fucking crazy and he joins um apocalypse and basically becomes apocalypse like head scientist 
This oh. is Dark Beast. That's what we call him. <laughs> Why? Because Why he is, is that everyone settled on. I don't know, because he's like Hank, but dark. And yeah, I guess. we've talked about this a bit off the pod because it's one of the best jokes in the X-Men. Dark Beast becomes really fun because in the 90s, the Age of Apocalypse, Apocalypse storyline was like, what if Beast, this character that we love, who's typically like a big fuzzball and a nice dude, became a war criminal and a like psychopath who just cares nothing about morality? And without like getting into it too much... All X-Men comics after this are kind of like, no, that's just regular Beast. So Dark Beast becomes kind of hilarious because it's like, this was supposed to be this random thing where it's like the best X-Men becomes one of the worst people around. And then uh, for reasons that we will get into in a later episode, Beast ends up just becoming kind of a bad dude. Oh, okay. Like in the normal, the normal quote unquote good guy beast is just a shithead. Okay. Yeah. It's hilarious. So Bishop shows up then and he goes to Magneto and he's essentially like, hey, Magneto, this timeline is entirely wrong. I am from an alternate future or an alternate timeline where like this never happened. Humanity and mutants kind of live together. Charles is alive. He runs this institute. Everything's kind of better. He's still single. Just saying. Just saying. If that entices you at all. I swear to God. Uh, And then because of this, Magnino's like, okay, we need to look into this. This isn't something we can ignore. So he essentially breaks up all of his X-Men into several teams and sends them out on different missions. And this kind of becomes how the event happens, which is that starting in 1995, Every single X-Men comic gets turned into a new comic, and all of them are just telling different stories within the Age of Apocalypse setting. And mm-hmm. this goes on for a year. X-Men is entirely this until 1996. So you have a few things that happen. So wait, wait, wait. Up until this point, there's like, how many of these are there now? Like how many X-Men series are there there's generation x there's x-men there's uncanny x-men there's cable there's excalibur there's x god what else so like a shit ton there's a shit ton and do they interact much like is this like the first time they've all come together like this it's not the first it is and it isn't it's not the first time stories have interacted Mm -hmm. for example at the end of the 80s we had x factor and x-men and a version of Excalibur, and they all interact, eventually leading to the to the 90s. Uh-huh. Wait, what's Excalibur, Excalibur about? Excalibur is like the British magical X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> it stars Captain Britain and... Oh my god. <laughs> like Merlin Man, is a character that, that comes... Yeah, Merlin shows up. Oh my god. Is anybody that I would know in that comic? Uh, yeah, there are a few people. Like, Kitty shows up in there a lot. Oh, yeah. Is that when she gets her dragon? When do- no, because um, Lockheed's oh. from space. He's not magic. He's not like a magic dragon. He's an alien. Of course. How silly yeah. of me. How silly of you. <laughs> it's just, you know, we're talking like Excalibur and Merlin. I was like, yeah, yeah, there's a fucking dragon in there. Who cares? So then they break it up into these separate teams that are all given different missions. So is this the kind of thing where they 
is it like these are all stories in the same world or is it the kind of thing where it's like these all tell one story and you need to read all of them to understand anything about what's going on? So this is actually really interesting because Age of Apocalypse kind of starts this trend that you still see, which is the big crossover event Mm -hmm. where they transform an entire line into one story. Okay. And what it is into a giant money making machine to fleece kids of all of their Exactly. And it's essentially like, oh, Let's tell a story. Let's tell a grand story of the X-Men, this alternate timeline thing. But if you want to read it, you have to read every issue in every line. Because a lot of people are like, well, I only read X-Men and Uncanny X-Men. Or I'll read, you know, Excalibur. But they don't read yeah. all of them. But when you do this, you, are, you make everybody need to read everything. Yeah. And you also have to play Enter the Matrix to get the full story. <laughs> That's a great little... <laughs> I love that. Um, <laughs> but <you>. this <laughs> becomes a thing. And this is like the 90s starts the event crossover thing. And it's horrible. Like, yeah, it sounds it, bad. It eventually leads to Marvel like nearly dying, which we'll get to. Wait, is this is the 90s when they like basically go bankrupt and have to sell this company to Merrill Lynch or whatever? Yeah, we'll get into it a little bit. Like, we'll talk a little bit more about the overarching business stuff near the end. But um, there's okay. So there's a great article um, that I briefly want to mention for Age of Apocalypse. Oh God, I don't have it up. It was a Wired article, I think. Um, I'm gonna look up Dark Beast while you do that. Okay, so it's a sci-fi. It's a sci-fi article called "An Oral History of Age of Apocalypse." Hmm. And in it, one of the most interesting things that they talk about is early on they talk about how did this idea come up. And if you talk about Chris Claremont and how Chris Claremont ran the X-Men, is this the picture of Dark Beast with the goggles that you're looking at? No. I okay. need to find that one now, though. <laughs> just like He's just this like weird-looking dude with big... His hair is up in horns, and he just has this really yeah. like mischievous Halloween devil mask grin. This isn't what he looks like in um, Age of Apocalypse, but yeah, that is him. Here, okay. here's one with this little weird glasses he has. They often give the give these to him because it's like, oh, he is an evil scientist. He wears these weird glasses. What is? Oh, I'm getting Dark Beast Parle from Bloodborne. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's a weird design. <laughs> that's very funny. He looks so, like a gargoyle. Yeah, but if you think about back to how Chris Claremont ran things, remember that it was one writer who ran the line, and that the line was, for most of the time, one comic. Mm -hmm. And everything he did was from, like, it was for story. He made interesting stories to talk about interesting characters. And that, of course, people responded to and were like, these are great, that's why I'm going to buy them. But then in the 90s, Marvel as a corporation was like, wait, we can turn that into a money-making machine. So when you read the oral history... The people who end up being the head writers, which is like a collective of writers, they essentially are like, oh, yeah, I remember how I was told about this or how this idea was brought to my mind, which was we were talking to like a Marvel higher up and they were like, hey, can you just like do this story? Can you just like change all of the X-Men to like do something random? Uh And they were like, I guess we'll have to figure it out. And essentially what happens is. Instead of like one writer being a mastermind behind it, what happens from this point on is that it's like all of the writers of all the individual X-Men lines are then told like, okay, 
You just have to write stories within the Age of Apocalypse now. And so that's how you get this. They they do X-Men Alpha is what they call it, which is like the first issue of the Age of Apocalypse. And it's like Magneto has learned about Bishop and he wants to figure out if this is real. He's going to send off like all these different teams. And of course, those different teams are the different books. Mm -hmm. So then let's get into some of those. We have Excalibur, which Excalibur follows Nightcrawler, who we know. Yeah. And he is sent by Magneto to find Destiny, the mutant Destiny. Yes. Who is uh, Rogue's mom? Rogue's mom, Mystique's wife. Yes. I know her. Yeah. Which also makes her kind of, which also makes her like, oh, this is, this is so wild because this is like really recent X-Men stuff. Destiny and Mystique our wives chris Mm -hmm. claremont made them and when he wanted to originally write the story of their origin he wanted them to be explicitly like together and explicitly parent a child but they wouldn't let him so they didn't do that but then just in the past couple of weeks they released a book called x-men blue origins where they retcon the story of Mm -hmm. of mystique and destiny and nightcrawler to basically do the original thing Chris Claremont wanted, which is that Nightcrawler is no longer the son of Izazel and Mystique, who Izazel is this like demon mutant. If you've seen X-Men First Class, he's the like red demon. Have I seen X-Men First Class? He teleports like Nightcrawler. I've seen that movie, but I don't remember that. It's fine. But essentially, it's always (laughs) been like Izazel and Mystique had a child and that was Nightcrawler. But it has now just been retconned to Mystique had a husband and he was she was cheating on him with Izazel. But also (laughs) she was sleeping with Destiny at the time because she had fallen in love with Destiny and Destiny and her decide they want to have a family and they want to have a child. And because Mystique can shapeshift, she can make that happen. And so Mystique gets Destiny pregnant. (laughs) Wait, this is not something that I knew about Mystique. She's a I shapeshifter. I did not know. I mean, I knew she was a shapeshifter, but I guess I I never thought about the mechanics of it. Yeah. Where if she shapeshifts into a man, she is, you know, yeah, I just didn't. <laughs> she can I do whatever I just she never wants. thought about it. Yeah. I didn't. So, yeah. Damn. So I should Mystique, think about that more often. Yeah. I'm sure there's fanfic out there. <laughs> um, but Mystique impregnates Destiny and Destiny uh-huh. gets pregnant and in order to feel close to Destiny and her family and the idea of having a child, Mystique then starts shape-shifting herself as if she was having a natural pregnancy. Because all the while, while she's... Remember, she's having an affair with Destiny, essentially, even though Destiny is her true love. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, she's also also having a sort of affair with Izazel. Mm-hmm. All the time, she's also married to this random guy who nobody cares about. <laughs> sure. But... And during that, she's pre- she's pretending to be like a human woman. So she's already shapeshift. But she wait, starts... Wait, wait. Her husband, her boring husband, doesn't know she's a mutant? Yeah. When this happens, when she deci- decides to have a child with Destiny, and Destiny's the one who is carrying the child, Mystique, uh-huh. to be like close to her family, she starts shapeshifting to like act as if she's having a natural pregnancy. Oh, to act like Destiny is like, oh, she's my friend and we're both pregnant. So we need to like spend a lot of time alone without you, my boring human husband. So people think that she got pregnant by Izazel because she was like. Why would they think that and not her husband? 
because she is like openly having an affair with Isazel. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Also, the husband knows because the husband is not, he is not sleeping with Mystique. They are oh, not getting okay. it on. Their bed, their bedroom life is not great. Damn. But so they have Mutant a parallel pregnancy and then Destiny gives birth and Destiny gives birth to Nightcrawler. So now it has officially been retconned that Nightcrawler is actually Destiny and Mystique's child. Uh-huh. And then Mystique just has to be like, oh, I had an abortion. And then she, uh, well, by that time, the husband and Isazel are gone. Oh, so she's just like a, and, done pretending. Yeah. But then um, okay. the town around them starts being like, that castle um, is a hive I'm sorry. of... <laughs> I'm sorry. They live in like a castle. Which castle? <laughs> they live in like a castle. And, she, okay. and by that point, they're like, that castle is a hive of like, lesbianism and lesbians and demons that's amazing and so they try to attack it and destiny's like i'll stay i'll be okay i can see into the future i'll be fine you have to leave and take the child mystique takes the child puts him down and then goes back to try to save destiny and by the time she comes back so she goes to save destiny destiny's gone and then she goes back for the baby the baby's gone no yeah and that's how then you know, Nightcrawler gets raised um, outside of Mystique. But anyways, Wait, that was all okay. a bunch of random shit. Wait, this that just is a good, an interesting story. What happens? How do, do they end up like reuniting? They do eventually. I mean, Nightcrawler's still around, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was actually the big thing is it was Mystique confessing to Nightcrawler that like she's his mom and that Destiny is his, also his mom. Oh, yeah. But um, I should read this. It's it's pretty good. So back to the actual I thing we were talking graphic about. Fanfic of this. Back to the thing we're actually talking about: Age of Apocalypse. <laughs> Nightcrawler okay, uh-huh. is sent by Magneto to go to locate Destiny because Destiny can see the future and she can see like different futures. Yeah. Seems they useful. think she can verify Bishop's story. Oh, okay. So I feel like that would not be the first, like, most important way to use that power, but sure. So Nightcrawler goes on this mission to get to this place called Avalon. Which, again, as you can tell, magic British stuff. Uh-huh. Which is, in this timeline, it's a refuge for mutants and humans to live together. Cool. And, first off, the way he finds it is he has to go to this club called Heaven, which is that in this world, Warren, uh, Warren Worthington III, uh, oh, yeah. he... He basically founds this club called Heaven, which is like a underground safe haven for humans and mutants. And yeah, he like and is like David Byrne wrote that song based on it. <laughs> okay. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about at all? No. Did that land for you in any way? It didn't. There's a song by the Talking Heads called Heaven, and one of the like ideas about what it might be about, because he's never really said, is that there's a there was like a gay bar called Heaven that he really liked. Oh, and okay. so the song Heaven is a place where nothing ever happens is actually about this gay bar. Oh. It's okay. a really it was a really good joke, and I feel like you should appreciate it. I hope other people appreciate the joke. I am sure they will. Yeah. So Nightcrawler has to go find Avalon to find destiny and along the way he's pursued by these people called the pale riders which are agents of apocalypse mm-hmm. um the two that are interesting to talk about is danny moonstar the new mutant she i know is that guy a, she, i know that girl yeah moonstar she's evil in this timeline oh no oh wait is that the is this the werewolf no that is uh you're thinking of wolfsbane wolfsbane but she is a new mutant She's the Wait, one that fought, Danny like, Moonstar the demon do? bear. 
Oh, the demon bear. I remember yeah. the demon bear. Exactly. So her, she is evil in this. And then Damn. in addition to that, uh, Wade Wilson, Deadpool, he's evil in this. He's a pale rider. What? Yeah. Is he an X an X Men? Um, he's not really an X Men, but he is an he is or I a guess, mutant. I mean, yeah, they, sure. They just bring other mm-hmm. Marvel people in or whatever. And then also, the Shadow King, the Shadow King is in here, and he works for Apocalypse. Still evil. Nightcrawler. Meanwhile, his team is Mystique, so he's working with his mom. mom. And Aww, uh, this mutant called Switchback, which. Switchback is really interesting. I never understand uh-huh. their power, which is essentially they're able to jump up and down their own personal timeline by 10 seconds. Wow, that's very specific. That sounds it, like a video yeah. game power. I know. Okay, sure. So then... I also I identify as a Switchback in my Tinder profile. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for that. And essentially, they get to Destiny and Avalon, and they're like, Destiny, you need to come to come with us. We have to figure this shit out. And Destiny's like, listen, if I leave, Avalon's going to get destroyed. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. That kind of <laughs> has to You don't really happen. care that much. Yeah. And so the Shadow King destroys the community, and they get Destiny, and they get her back. So that's one storyline that's going on. Mm-hmm. Another one is Gambit. Gambit and the Externals is what this one is called. What a stupid... There are... I know that it must be hard to name all of your teams afterwards that have X in them, but you, mm-hmm. External is yeah, one of the lamest. At that so point, they, just call them the xylophones. They have to go out into space, um, and they have to go find this thing called the McCran Crystal, which... <laughs> The McCran crystal <laughs> is, I know. Listen, if the we're gonna McCran if we're gonna stop crystal. at every stupid thing, then we're gonna be here for so much longer. The McCran crystal, which essentially is like a nexus of all reality. So if you're able to interact with it, you can figure out about other realities existing or not. Oh, so it's essentially it's another way to verify if Bishop is true or not. Why is this so important? Because they want to know if they can make the timeline better. But if someone comes in, he's like, I know a way to make it so that your world isn't run by like an evil magic mutant dictator. Does it really matter if like the reason that he says he's able to do it? Like I would, I feel like it'd be more important just to be like, okay, what's the plan? Than to be like, let me check your sources. Yeah. Is this, do you have this, can you get this notarized for us first? And then, um... Another comic that happens. No no answer. No, I don't. (laughs) There's not much that I can do. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Like we gotta, we gotta go. Um, And we have astonishing (laughs) X Men, which is led by Rogue. Interesting note. Astonishing X Men. In this universe, Rogue is Magneto's wife. What? Yeah. She's like, isn't she like thirty years younger than him? Yeah. Again, is Magneto played by Leonardo DiCaprio in this timeline? Now you're cooking with gas. Um, (laughs) But so she leads a team and the team consists of Sabretooth, a new character named Blink, who Blink has teleporting powers, um, Sunfire. Is basically Nightcrawler again? uh, She and no, it's, I mean, honestly, kind of. No, no. So what she actually does is she creates portals and like you can teleport through the portals. So like other people can go through? Yeah. Cool. Almost in a way similar to magic. Similar to Portal. Sure. 
another thing that is interesting in Age of Apocalypse is actually during this storyline, um, while Rogue is like off doing missions for Magneto, she ends up like uh, crossing paths with Gambit and mm-hmm. they start getting into a relationship in the middle of all this. So Magneto is getting <laughs> cucked by Gambit. Hell yeah. <laughs> and this is actually like the first time Gambit and Rogue kiss is in the Age of Apocalypse storyline. Oh, which is, is that important? I mean, just because they are like now they're one of the most popular couples. Oh, I didn't know they were a couple in the normal timeline, too. Oh, very famously. Uh, but <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Not famous to me. Okay. So they are sent out to stop what are called the Colings, which are essentially magne- um, apocalypse-like mass murdering of humans. Sure. Uh, during this, they interact a lot with uh, Gene and Scott and them being villains. Wait, they are who? Who are they? Oh, the the team of, of like Rogue, Sabretooth, Blink, uh, Sunfire, they cross paths during this mission with like gene and scott who in this timeline gene and scott are evil wait which ones are the which ones are the good guys rogue Sabretooth, sunfire blank i thought rogue was oh wait magneto is good in this time okay never mind yeah, sorry it's, it's it's a lot of confusing stuff yes okay god we're we're already going really long i'm gonna kind of rush through <laughs> some of the more some of the other age of apocalypse stuff um uh-huh. I mean, we don't, we can, we can, no, we can go along. Let's I'm stick going to Age, to, of, Age of Apocalypse. I'm going to end where I wanted to end. This can go as many episodes as it needs. Yeah. So uh, you have a bunch of other storylines. One of them is that there is a character named Nate Gray, who is a alternate version of Nathan Summers. Mm-hmm. And in this world, he is called X-Man. That's what and, his title oh, Jesus is. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And he is This is the timeline where by... he went to live with mom instead of dad? So no, actually, he, he, he's oh, a child of Scott and Jean's DNA by Mr. Sinister. Because Mr. Oh, okay. Sinister works for Apocalypse. And then he is saved by Forge, who is like a good guy resistance fighter here. Mm-hmm. And he raises Nate Gray. Hmm. So he has... What powers does he have? Uh, he's like um he has the powers of cable so he is essentially like a god what's it called a telepath telekinetic um he's a super powerful telepath and telekinetic like does he do either of the nathans inherit anything from cyclops honestly no do they have special eyes no no and he's also this version of nathan doesn't have the techno organic virus he's just a super powerful mutant Um, essentially the way the storyline all wraps up is all these weird missions are going on and they're all done to verify if Bishop is real. The one that ends up helping is that the McCran crystal that they got is able to <laughs> listen. Is it able just sounds I sorry. I can't, the McCran crystal. It is sounds able ridiculous. to it is able to verify that Bishop is correct. And so at that point, Magneto starts trying to figure out a way to send Bishop back to stop Legion. And Mm -hmm. the way they do that is while a bunch of people are trying to fight Apocalypse, uh, Ilyana, who's alive in this world, uh, Ilyana using her teleportation powers and and, uh, Destiny using her like future powers and all magnified by the McCran crystal, which is a nexus of realities, Mm -hmm. they send Bishop back in time to stop Legion from killing Charles and they Uh set the timeline right again. Wait, wait, where was... 
when did where was Ileana dead? When did oh, she die? Uh, she gets killed by strife from the legacy virus. This happened this episode. Okay. It's kind and of like a haphazard all... thing. Okay, yes. That's all before any of the Legion that's stuff the, happens. That, yeah, that's the real timeline. Okay, okay. Yes. And, th- and okay. then so in Age of Apocalypse, Ilyana and Destiny, they send Bishop back in time. He stops Legion, therefore ending the Age of Apocalypse timeline and setting the timeline right. So this whole universe is just destroyed. No, is the answer okay. actually, because then okay. because this is how comics comics work. Later comics end up just being like, what if we just went back there? Yeah, sure. And it's just, oh, it actually exists because alternate timelines always exist and you're just jumping between timelines. So then what's the effect of... What do they... What is it... Why does this matter? then for Bishop to stop Legion? It fucking doesn't. Nothing fucking matters. Because this was already an alternate timeline. Because at the time this was written, it was setting the timeline back to co- to be correct. But then later, like later years, like decades after this, writers are eventually like, actually, we want to write stories in the Age of Apocalypse storyline again. Mm-hmm. So they go back and they're just like, actually, okay. it still exists. Okay. So this is the kind of thesis of this is that there is one. This like erased the original reality and timeline. replaced it with this. Yeah. And then this event is basically, yeah, making the original mm-hmm. reality exist again. Whereas later writers were like, no, those are just two separate realities that both existed. Yeah. Okay. And so the biggest aftermath of this is actually there are a couple people from the timeline, from the Age of Apocalypse timeline, who managed to like escape and they join the real timeline. Cool. And they they come in and out of being important, but they just know that they now exist in the real timeline. So they, like, remember all of these events. Yeah, and the characters who come back are obviously Bishop. Bishop comes back and he remembers everything. Blink, the teleporting girl, she exists. She's able to, like, teleport herself out into, like, a dimension outside of the timeline. Therefore, she can survive. And then she'll Mm -hmm. eventually join the real timeline. Nate Gray, X-Man. He survives. Wait, is she this purple woman? Yeah, she's purple, and she she looks really cool. I like her. Yeah, you didn't tell me she was cute. Sorry. I like most, her. Most of the X-Men who are women are all cute. All the best X-Men. <laughs> That's true. I should all just All the best assume. X-Men are women. I forget where I'm taking that from. There's this great X-Men like website that I read, and they had a shirt that said, all the best X-Men are women. As, as an X-Man myself, I agree that all the best <laughs> X-Men are women. And then, so Nate Gray, he survives. He comes into the main timeline. Oh, cool. And so, also, oh, I need to show you a picture of Nate Gray, actually. Wait, so in this timeline, Nate Gray is here now mm-hmm. as an adult. And Nathan is still in the future. Yeah. And so after okay. Age of Apocalypse, I want to I be clear on this. After Age of Apocalypse, we have three different version of, versions <laughs> of Nathan Summers who exist, which is we have Cable. Uh-huh. We have Nate Gray, who's from the Age of Apocalypse timeline, and we have Nathan Summers, who is in the future. As a baby, like baby Nathan yeah. Summers. Um, I'm going to send you a picture of one of the versions of what somebody made Nate Gray look like. Okay. What the fuck <laughs> he just looks like mean? X-Men Jesus. Sorry, I'm just, I'm reading, um, I'm on the Wikipedia article for Blink. 
and her abilities are like breaking my brain to read. Her abilities are transpatial displacement bills, teleportation warp portals, biomolecular spatial displacement, and displacement field gars. Is that a typo? So we're just going to move oh, on. The gar, it's uh, the freshwater garfish of North America. Of this course. is why you shouldn't have access to the Wikipedia pages. You just have to go from <laughs> what sorry. I say. We'll have to do a. We'll do a. Sorry, yeah. we'll do a future episode on Blink. I'll, yeah. What did you make a note? So. Oh my now. god! When you... <laughs> oh my god! This is. I didn't think you meant like visually. Yeah. This was going to be a mutant Jesus. Visually, Nate Gray looks like mutant Jesus incredible so bishop gets back to the main timeline and he hears this he learns something which is remember way back when bishop first came and he was like there's a traitor yes he learns in the original timeline yeah so he's back in the original timeline but he learns something he learns the name of the traitor oh no the traitor is named onslaught honestly that's a pretty ominous name they probably should have seen something coming And then the next thing that happens, now we're in 1996, and now we're going to be talking about the Onslaught saga. Oh, okay. Which is um, Juggernaut, who you know of. Yeah. It's not really important. He's the Juggernaut bitch. It's not important, like, really much about him, but essentially what happens is he gets knocked into New York City from, like, who knows where. And he's like on the verge of death. Mm -hmm. And the X-Men come and find him. And right before he passes out, he just goes, Onslaught. And he whispers, Onslaught. And then he passes out into a coma. Uh And then next what happens is we start seeing more of the the workings of this character, Onslaught. All unseen. Okay, so there's no one that we know yet called Onslaught. Exactly. Okay. One of the things that happens is he hacks into the Sentinels and that the, the Sentinel mainframe starts showing Onslaught. It just all the computers say the name Onslaught. He also uh-huh. destroys Camp Hayden, which is the location where the Nimrod project is, which Nimrod is a anti-mutant AI. Oh, okay. He destroys... Wait, wasn't there also a character named Nimrod before? Yes. you told me about? Nimrod is the AI. He's like a... Oh. Yeah. I thought there was a character called Nimrod. I mean, yeah. The, the Nimrod is an AI slash oh, like he's like a DA. computer person. Yeah, he's like okay. a computer person. So Onslaught then destroys Camp Hayden and destroys the Nimrod project. Then he tests the X-Men by like using one of his underlings to kidnap um, Scott and Wolverine and Iceman and Storm. And he makes them fight one of his like underlings. They eventually escape. Uh, another thing he does is he attempts to capture Nate Gray in this timeline by teaming up with Sebastian Shaw of the Hellfire Club. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, uh, Onslaught appears to Franklin Richards, who's the son of Susan and uh, Reed of the Fantastic Four, because Franklin Richards is a mutant. Oh, okay. So Onslaught starts appearing to him in dreams as an imaginary friend. <laughs> so all of this happens then eventually and then what happens is nate gray is trying to warn the avengers about a evil presence 
because he's been try he like onslaught tried to attack him uh-huh and then eventually onslaught makes his final appearance or his first appearance sorry he like actually appears and i'm going to show you what he looks like okay. because what happens is cable goes back to camp hayden and he looks through the footage he's going to try to look at the footage he realizes that all of the footage has been wiped magnetically. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's all been magnetically wiped. Mm. Um, Juggernaut awakes from his coma and he attempts to warn the X-Men, but he finds that his mind no longer can remember the actual encounter. So he can't mm. tell them anything about who Onslaught is. Because his mind is a VHS tape and it's been wiped by magnets. And then what happens is Onslaught finally appears. This is what Onslaught looks like. Oh, yeah. Wait, he's in one of the games, right? Um, not sure. I feel like he is. But what do you think about Onslaught's like outfit? Uh, I think I'm, I'm truly shocked to learn that the traitor among the X-Men may have something to do with the member of them who has repeatedly tried to murder them over the course of the past 30 years. Yeah, he looks a lot like Magneto. So Onslaught appears, and he looks like this, and then he reveals who he is. Do you want to guess who he is? Is he the future son of Magneto and Professor X? No, he is just Charles. He is Professor Xavier. Oh, shit. Wait, does he... So <laughs> we're going to take it back. Now. Is there anything gayer than molding your your alter ego persona after your <laughs> your former lover slash rival slash best friend? So, yeah, now we're going to take it back to what actually happened. Magneto went into a coma and his mind was wiped. However, mm-hmm. part of the and this is how it's kind of explained. So you just have to go with me on this. OK, the like inherent evil essence of Magneto's mind escapes. And lodges itself within Charles's mind. I don't care for that. Meanwhile. That's some eugenics bullshit that like he's inherently just. Yeah, yeah, that sucks. Meanwhile, at one point during like just regular events, there is a mutant who gets beat to death outside of the Institute, like right Mm -hmm. outside of the Xavier Institute. He's not a student, but he gets beat to death right outside of the Institute. This like breaks Charles. And so he goes into a psychotic break where Onslaught first manifests itself. The dark part of Magneto within his mind like forms its own entity and starts taking over and doing actions. And so by controlling Charles, he started doing all these things. He's like Mm -hmm. wiping tapes. He's destroying camps. He's sneaking into the Sentinels. It's Charles that is trying to appear to Franklin as a imaginary friend. The imaginary friend is named Charlie. (laughs) Shocking. So this is just like a Superman scenario where just no one notices that Charles is just nowhere to be found whenever all this shit is happening. Yeah, kind of. Because it's also that Onslaught is actually like a psychic presence. So he can Mm -hmm. do a lot of the things like while Charles is just being Charles. Okay. So Onslaught appears and then he offers... I don't know. It's a good question. He needed a new outfit. (laughs) Um, Onslaught then appears and he essentially like offers a deal to the X-Men. He's like, you can team up with me or I can kill you all. And they all say no, obviously, except Mm -hmm. for Beast. (laughs) He's like, yeah, listen. Because 
I've already been turning evil anyway. This is actually Dark Beast. Dark Beast has like replaced regular Beast here. (laughs) Nobody else knows that, but Dark Beast is here, so he teams up with the goggles didn't tip anybody off. (laughs) No, I don't know why. So essentially what happens from here is that the team splits up into two groups because they're like, Mm -hmm. we need to we need to stop this shit. So there's two things we need to do. Number one, we need another crossover event. Exactly. This is another year long crossover event. How long after the first one is this? After Apocalypse? Uh, I think maybe a couple of months. Like it goes right into it. Jesus. Okay. And they break up into two teams and they're like, we have two goals. Number one, we need to find Magneto. Because clearly there's still something with Magneto that has to do with Onslaught. Wait, where is Mag... Why why do they not know where Magneto is? Magneto is in... So Magneto went into a coma and Charles like threw him away. Like basically oh, put Charles him away. Charles just hid him? Yeah. Okay. So they don't know what's up with that. They need to find Magneto, figure out what the fuck is going on. The other half are like, we need to go warn the Fantastic Four because we know Onslaught is trying to like mm. take Franklin. What are Franklin's powers? Is he a psychic or something? So, no, Franklin's powers. What are his, like, technical powers? Telepathy, immortality, telekinesis, reality. Immortality. Yeah. Reality warping, psionics, oh, Jesus. Teleport- teleportation, astral projection, precognition. He's, like, one of the most powerful mutants alive. Although, yeah. this, is, this doesn't really matter because we won't talk about it in depth. Um, they retcon it to Franklin is actually not a mutant anymore. What? He's not a mutant anymore. Why? They explained it away as he is not a mutant. He is just a reality warper. So he made his own DNA appear as a mutant because it was the easiest (laughs) way to understand what was happening to himself because there was no other explanation. So wait, why was he able to warp reality? Because he has has reality warping powers. But I mean, how is that different from... How did he get them if it's not mutation? Uh, I think it's because he's the child of reed and sue and it has to do with the like storm that um gave them their powers in the first place so when they had a kid um okay. he was yeah so he's still a mutant he's just doesn't have the specific he's not technically a mutant as the marvel universe defines it <laughs> okay mm-hmm. okay sorry i don't know what to tell you like yeah he is no mutated, i, I but, <laughs> yeah i know you have no control over this it's hard um so one team goes my best here one team goes to find magneto the other team is sent out also and they go to muir island to first retrieve something called the xavier protocols which (laughs) do you know do you know the comic story charles's hard drive do you know the comic story justice league um babble so this is a story where batman essentially uh the batman villain raz al ghul breaks into this like secret uh, vault that has all these plans that Batman made that are detailed plans on how you can kill every Justice League member in case any of them ever turned evil. I think, yeah, I think I know this. The Xavier protocols are that for the X-Men. Charles Xavier made a record of how to take down literally every mutant. That (laughs) that has to be. That has to feel really fucked up. I know. He's such a you're fucking like, you, dumbass. You're on your friend's computer looking something up and you find a folder that's like exactly how they would kill yeah. you if they had to. If you ever come to New York, you shouldn't look through. Yeah. Don't look at don't look at the folder named definitely not Willis plan to kill Robin. Don't look at the folder marks like tax documents. Yeah. 2021. It's just the folder that says definitely porn. 
Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, while why this... are all of my fears written down here? <laughs> Meanwhile, this team that's going to um, look at the tra- the Xavier protocols uh-huh. uh, while they're doing that, and the other team is trying to find Magneto. Charles, or well, Onslaught posing as Charles because he literally can just control Charles's body because he is inside of Charles's mind. He's part of Charles's mind. Mm-hmm. He goes to the Fantastic Four, like posing as regular Charles, and is essentially like, "Hey, your son. I know he's a mutant. How about I like teach him? Can you let me teach him? I obviously run an institute. There's nothing suspicious." And then he's like holding a knife behind his back the whole time. Yeah, and then the X Men show up, teamed up with the Avengers. So, oh, that's something to note is. Age of Apocalypse was a crossover between all the X-Men line. Onslaught mm-hmm. Saga crosses over with like literally every Marvel property ever. Oh my God. It's horrible. Wait, so in the same way in which you yes. like need to li- read literally like 45 different comics Essentially for like a year, all of Marvel was ruined because every single comic was part of the Onslaught Saga. Damn, that sucks. Yeah. So... Um, so is... Sorry. No, 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 go. Mar- are Onslaught's powers, are they just char- like Charles and Xavier's, Charles and Magneto's powers mixed? Uh, that's actually a really good question. He has, yeah, yeah. So he has all of Charles's powers, which I know. And it does appear that he also has Magneto's powers, which raises so many questions because it's just part of his mind. Yeah. It's silly it doesn't make sense the explanation it doesn't make sense he got the genes from magneto's mind Mm -hmm. so but while charles is trying while onslaught posing as charles is trying to um like get franklin the x-men and the avengers show up and are like this is sus don't let this happen and so um onslaught just kidnaps franklin yep he takes him away at this point onslaught launches his first like major attack he remember how he broke into the sentinel facility and he like yes 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 he made all the computers show he hacked it he controls all the sentinels now so he launches a sentinel attack on new york city and he event he essentially like turns new york city city into escape from new york it like it closes off all the exits to new york Uh and it locks all of like every marvel superhero inside of new york city amazing and he creates have yeah sorry go ahead Oh, he creates a citadel, like this big citadel inside Central Park, and that's his like home base. <laughs> he's just like Flacco. He's just, <laughs> just chilling in Central Park. Oh my God, um, Flacco! He's back in Central Flacco. Park. We haven't talked about Is him. He? he was he was gone for we a need little a Flacco bit. Update soon. But, okay. Yeah. Um, does Onslaught have like goals here? Like, what is he doing? So we'll get to it. It's essentially no. Is it like not revealed here? He's just being evil. They talk about it, but it is literally his goal is just kind of I'm being evil. Okay. It's cool. ridiculous. Yeah. Sounds exciting. Yeah. So all the teams are just inside of New York. The teams start. Atta- um, so while this is happening, Franklin has been captured and he's trying to he's sending out telepathic signals, trying to like reach out to anybody, any telepaths mm-hmm. in order to like have them save him. Um, and he reaches Nate Gray because Nate Gray exists in this timeline now. And Nate Gray is like, oh, shit, I want to go say this guy. So in his mind, he tries to, like, help Franklin. But little does he know that Onslaught was actually, like, hijacking Franklin's signal and uses oh, it to locate Nate and then capture him. Hmm. So is Nate a, a kid, too, at this point, or is he an adult? He's an adult. Okay. 
Because it's like grown up Nate from the Age of Apocalypse line, timeline is now just here. Yes, of course. Onslaught now captures both Nate and Franklin. And we find out that he's using them to amplify his powers. And he <laughs> uses Franklin's powers of like reality ma- manipulation to create a second son. And he has the second, he has, he has the second son like approaching earth, essentially just, (laughs) essentially just to wipe out all life, I guess. Sure. Which is, again, he's just evil, which is, it's stupid. His goal is to be a good comic book villain. Yeah. So then this all leads to the final confrontation where you have like all the Avengers, you have all the Fantastic Four, you have like Spider-Man, you have... So, wait, wait, before we get to the final confrontation, this has just been a year of like everything in the entirety of Marvel, like fighting goons of Onslaught or like... Yeah. What? Yeah. Does he have like allies? Like are other people there like, yeah, let's help you destroy all of us. Yeah, so there are some like evil mutants who are helping him. Um Why? Because they're fucking evil. It's like the 90s, I want to be clear, like the 90s is all like just, it's all just show off cool shit with no meaning. Mm -hmm. Like I can see Apocalypse, it's like, okay, you help me and you can be my generals of my like fascist dictatorship. I don't know what you offer someone that convinces them that they should incinerate the planet they live on by a second sun. I don't know. It's a terrible storyline. Okay, it sounds pretty bad. Yeah. So then what happens is you have the final confrontation, which is that all of the superheroes, so like the X-Men, the Avengers, Spider-Man, the Punisher, like the Fantastic Four, everybody teams up and they're attacking Onslaught. Mm -hmm. Although he's super powerful now because he has the powers of Nate Gray and Franklin at his like disposal, where two of the like some of the most powerful mutants to exist. And then meanwhile, while he's getting attacked, Nate and Franklin are trying to like escape, like their minds are trying to escape like the telepathic like prison they're in and mm-hmm. they are being guided through it by a projection of Charles. And it's like the last remaining good mm. of Charles Xavier that's guiding them through. Yeah. Eventually the way the storyline ends is again, like literally everything in the nineties, it is stupid and it makes no sense. <laughs> What Frank, what uh, Reed, dis, what Reed figures out, Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four, what he figures out is that mm-hmm. this great power that Onslaught has can actually be kind of diluted and absorbed by non-mutant heroes. So all of the non-mutant heroes absorb some of the energy of Onslaught, and that kills them all. This is, but it weakens onslaught does okay does he like build a thing that does like how does how do they just think really hard about it yeah because it's telepathic it's it's horrible okay it is very horrible so the way that happens is they start absorbing all this power and they all die the avengers die the fantastic four die spider-man dies they have to be the protagonists of Marvel comics. It yeah. can't just be non-mutants. It has to be named characters in the story. Yes. So, Fantastic. And that then leads it to they are able to, the X-Men are able to destroy Onslaught and they break apart the armor and they see Charles's body within and they're able to like pull Charles out and destroy the energy and the power that is Onslaught. Therefore, sure. 
I guess, destroying his mind because at the same time, the like figment of Charles that is the last remaining good, like helps Nate and Franklin escape. Mm -hmm. So they destroy Onslaught. Onslaught's dead now. But Wait, so who, are who are the heroes that died? Yeah. The Avengers, um, the Fantastic Four, Spider-Man. <laughs> they all die. So they all die. What about Deadpool? Does Deadpool No, he's a mutant. He can't he's a mutant. die. That's so unfortunate. They all so they all die. And what's left is the X-Men and Charles regains his consciousness. He What about oh. Birdman? Does Birdman die? Birdman? Do you mean Angel? No, Birdman. Who is Birdman? Birdman. You know, Birdman. I have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> Birdman. Anyways. You know, from the Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Okay, anyways. Oh, there is actually something I forgot to mention. Um, this is uh -huh. important. I'm sorry I skipped over this. The okay. the one team that was sent to find Magneto, they do find him. They find Magneto okay. and they like get him. He's been awakened from his coma and he joins the X-Men. Um, and he... Where did, was he just Charles hit him in Hoboken or something? Like Basically, they were like, nobody's okay. going to go to New Jersey to get this guy. <laughs> He's like, these are all fucking New Yorkers. You think they're going to go to Jersey? Yeah. Like Westchester, yeah, I could barely get them up to Westchester to go to school. <laughs> okay. It's a foolproof plan. Hide the guy in New Jersey. <laughs> So Magneto is back though, um, and he's like on the X Men now, because his kind. He's like he doesn't remember much. He, like bef he joins after they kill Onslaught. Before, before? he's part of the okay. group that like helps kill Onslaught. Okay. And also, meanwhile, this is happening. He like starts similar to Age of Apocalypse. He starts having a thing with Rogue. Weird. It is like weird. It. But uh, eventually, the X Men defeat Onslaught. Xavier, having like regained his consciousness. He turns himself into the authorities. Also, that's like his his coworker's daughter, his yeah. or his like subordinate's daughter. That's an come on. It's like, not know. okay. I know you're evil, but like have some yeah. standards. Um, so Xavier turns himself in, and he just is like arrested to, to the authorities, to the cops, to Shield. I think. Okay. Um, Who didn't die? Oh, because they're just normal people, right? Yeah, and. The other thing that happens is because of all of this, it basically appears like mutants have killed all of the superheroes. Oh, sure. So people just hate mutants even more now. And yeah, this leads tracks. into the next storyline, which is called Zero Tolerance, which um, these are the so those are the two Age of Apocalypse and Onslaught are like the two major storylines of the 90s. So now mm -hmm. we're in like now we're in 97 to 98. Um, from here on out at the like at the end of onslaught it's like 97 yeah okay so from here on out there are a couple things that happen we're going to run through them more quickly because none of them are like as big or important but there are a mm -hmm. couple key things that happen so we're going to talk about those um as a note on onslaught saga none of these superheroes are fucking dead obviously yeah it sure. is revealed that they've all been like sent to pocket dimensions and whatnot <laughs> and they all have to uh -huh. escape it's whatever bad. nobody fucking cares then you have zero tolerance which is people hate mutants yes go okay so wait at the end of onslaught what is like what is the what is magneto doing and like what is the makeup of the x-men so now the makeup of the x-men is like everybody you would think just everybody okay. whose major is on it wolverine's on it but Gene, they just like Scott. go back to their normal activities yeah they go back to magneto now who's kind of like not as powerful 
doesn't remember too much. He is back. He is on the team now, which okay. it's very funny because he's on the team and Gambit fucking hates it because now Gambit is essentially getting cucked by Magneto because oh, yeah. Magneto and Rogue are a thing. That sucks. His ex is like hooking up with this weird old yeah. guy who's probably tried mm-hmm. to kill you six or seven times. Yeah. So who's in charge at this point? Who is in charge at this point? I think it's Storm and Scott again. Okay. Because it goes back to those like regular lines. Mm -hmm. So now everybody just hates mutants. What happens is you have this guy named Graydon Creed, and he's running for president. Mm -hmm. Graydon Creed is the son of Mystique and Sabretooth. But he was born and then abandoned by his parents. And then he finds out eventually that he's the child of two mutants who abandoned him. And that makes him resent mutants. And so he's this huge anti-mutant guy. Mm -hmm. And then while running for president on a major anti-mutant platform, he is assassinated. Oh, no. So this convinces the whole world to put in the prime sentinels. And they are basically given free reign to start murdering mutants it's basically like the world is like all mutants are excommunicado we're gonna kill them all Uh uh-huh okay so wait what's the prime sentinels they're just power they're like just better sentinels yeah they're just better sentinels um okay it's just what we it's just what they're called they're just more powerful newer sentinels Mm -hmm. um they start attacking all the mutants the mutants fight them. Um, nothing really happens. Obviously, the X-Men don't get wiped out. They're fine. Another thing that happens here is that Havoc, who is Scott's brother, mm-hmm. he starts becoming... Who a, was in a relationship with Madeline? Yes. He had a weird thing with After, Madeline. right? Okay, yeah. yes. Um, Havoc becomes a mutant terrorist, mm-hmm. and he becomes a leader of a, the newest iteration of the Brotherhood. The newest mutants. <laughs> The new brotherhood. The brotherhood of evil new mutants. <laughs> so essentially that's what happens in Zero Tolerance. Nothing major beyond that. It's, again, a boring, meaningless story. Then you have two mm-hmm. other stories in 1998 to 1999. Um, well, so you have Hunt for Xavier, which is like 1998 to 1999. You have Magneto War, which is 1999 to 2001. Or 2000, sorry. Okay. Hunt for Xavier. What happens is Xavier Hunt vanishes. Xavier. Xavier vanishes from being arrested. That was a good joke. I liked that one. Thank you. Yeah, I want to give credit where credit That's is. That's a due. reference that you. I had understand any reference that. point for. Yeah. Um, so Xavier, who's still been like arrested, he vanishes. But there's an imposter Xavier who shows up, and he's in charge. But people don't like that because they're like, "You're an imposter." You're supposed to be in super jail. Yeah, we very clearly know that. It turns out it's actually. The the mutant tracking computer Cerebro oh. has gained consciousness what? and and a body and like makes a body that is able to pretend to be Xavier. What the fuck? So they destroy it and they destroy Cerebro. Oh. Why do they destroy it? Because it's evil. Is it just decides to be evil at the same time? Yes. Okay. Like. Yeah, we're running through these things because they mean nothing. And like, they have no, there's no reasoning behind any of the motivation. Uh huh. So the last thing you have is you have Magneto War, which, so Magneto, he's part of the X-Men. And they go to the Antarctic and they're like 
hunting down this other mutant, this evil mutant who does a lot of like uh, cloning and uh, testing and stuff. And you find out that, whoa, this Magneto, he's not actually Magneto. This is a clone. The Magneto who has been around since Onslaught Saga, since they found him in Onslaught Saga, is a clone. He's not the real Magneto. His name is Joseph. (laughs) Seriously. He's just some guy. Joseph Magnet. And then the actual Magneto, he shows up. And Magneto is, again, despite literally the last thing we know about Magneto, is that he was wiped of evil and like put in a coma. He's back. He's just evil again. Uh, Cool. He's just evil. He's doing evil things. And eventually what happens is Joseph and Magneto fight. (laughs) And Joseph has to sacrifice his life in order to stop Magneto. So Joseph is dead now. So forget about the clone. Who cares? Convenient. Despite Magneto losing to the X-Men, the UN is so afraid of Magneto being back and being powerful and evil that they decide they're going to grant him rulership over the entire island of Genosha. What? He, they give him an island nation. Surely this will stop him from amassing power. And he's going to use it as like a mutant refuge, like refuge. So he can create okay. the society he always wanted. It's called Genova? Genosha. Genosha. It's basically because the UN has this idea like, we are not going to be able to stop him. How about we preemptively try to like fix this by like, if we can appease him by giving it, him his own nation where we are not sure. fucking with him, then maybe it'll be fine. Historically a great strategy. So then comes the last storyline that we're going to talk about at this time. Wait, where is Genosha? Like on the map? Yeah. I, I don't know. Okay. Is there? Let's see if there's an answer. I just don't know. Is it like in the middle of the ocean or is it just like... Off the fucking coast of North Carolina. Like. Uh, okay, so it is north of Madagascar. Okay. It's slightly north of Madagascar. Okay, so it's just like in the middle of a place with just a shit ton of people. They weren't like trying to put him somewhere isolated. They were just like here. <laughs> well, it's in the sea. In the middle of human society. It's in the sea and it's his own island. Sure. So he gets that. Then you have the storyline called Eve of Destruction. Literally, because this happens in 2001, we are not going to talk about literally anything that happens except for two things. Okay. Um, Cyclops dies. Cool. And Wolverine kills Magneto. Oh, shit. Yeah. The other thing that happens at this time is that while writers are getting swapped in and out, a new writer takes over the main X-Men line. Can you guess who that writer is? Uh, Is it a clone of Chris Claremont? No, it's just Chris Claremont. (laughs) Amazing. Chris Claremont comes back and he starts writing the main line again for a little bit. Wow. Although very quickly he is going to be shoved off from the main line. He's going to get his own comic though called Extreme X-Men. It has to do with Magneto and Rogue. Um, It's fine. Chris Claremont has kind of at this point, he's done his part on the X-Men. Anytime he shows up as a writer now, it's like, it's cool because it's Chris Claremont, but it's not really relevant to the like actual progression of the X-Men. Sure. It's like Stan Lee showing up for a cameo in a movie. Yeah. So 
now we're kind of at the end. We're going to do what we did last time. We're going to look back at like, where is Marvel? Yeah. We're in 2001 Let's go back now. to the real world. Yeah. We're in 2001 now. At the beginning of the story in 1991, Marvel was at the top of their game. They were like the biggest comics publisher. They were making bank all the time. The X-Men was the biggest comic in the world. At the end, in 2001, they are massively in debt. They are failing. They are oversaturated because they were trying to like constantly sell copies to people and do a bunch of stupid crossovers and events. Like all their lines became these annoying year-long multi-issue line-wide events that nobody liked. So nobody's like everybody stopped caring. The like the IP was just down in the drain. Marvel was floundering. They also tried to get more money by buying a distributor, which the way comics work is that there are certain companies that act as distributors that comic stores go through to like get comics delivered. And that's a third party company. And Marvel was like, I don't want to pay those distributors who have been running, who have been like doing this for decades and are part of the industry. I'm going to buy a distributor and I'm going to make all the comic stores who want to like buy Marvel comics go directly through us so we can just get more money in the process. Everybody so hates like literally the printers. I don't know enough about like the actual sure. industry, but at any rate, it's Marvel trying to own like we will make, we will make and then sell you these comics as opposed to having to give a cut to another company exactly right okay so everybody hates that too they're just down in the dirt they start selling off the rights like the film rights to all of their biggest franchises in order to make any kind of money Mm -hmm. at this time one of the things they sell off is the x-men which is a big deal because selling off the x-men film rights is like unbelievable because it was their biggest property ever So they Mm -hmm. sell it to Fox, and then in 2000, Fox releases the first X-Men movie, which Mm. is a massive hit. Everybody loves it. So Mm -hmm. Marvel Comics, which has nothing to do with that, and they make no money from that, they see that success, though, and they're like, we need to rethink what we're doing. The 90s have been a disaster, and we need to make things simpler, cooler, more modern. So we need to reset. We need to get everything we've been doing in the 90s out. We need to get someone new onto the book. We need to start a new like line. It is the turn of the century. We're going into the 21st century. We need to reinvent the X-Men. We need to reinvent everything. But we're going to start with the X-Men. And that is when they announce that they are bringing in Grant Morrison to write a new X-Men book. And that, and that is where we're going to end. We did it. We made wow, it. Wow, you did it. Congratulations. <laughs> Jeez. I can't believe it. You succeeded. So the, the message I sent you that I just want to reread, <laughs> I sent you this message yesterday when I was doing the research oh, for this. <laughs> yes. When you were losing your mind. Because I'm fucking miserable talking about the 90s because the 90s are the worst period of the X-Men. I, um, that's debatable, actually. There's another... Do things get worse? Oh my um, God. They, get all, they get bad later also. They just continue being bad? Okay. But where did I send it? Let me know if you can find it before I can. Oh, I found it. So this is the message that I sent you yesterday during the research process, which is, God, the 90s really are the most overly complicated, incredibly dense, and hard to follow time of the X-Men that ultimately amounts to literally nothing that matters. Yeah, I was literally like, is she going to show up tomorrow and be like, let's stop doing this? Yeah. 
<laughs> you seemed very frustrated. Which, as you can tell, I think you gather that's kind of true. Uh-huh. Yeah, it sounds like a total disaster. And like, I'll just remind you of this now, but I'll probably have to remind you whenever we do the next episode. Right before Grant Morrison starts, Cyclops is allegedly dead. Magneto is mm-hmm. allegedly dead. And like, everybody fucking hates mutants. Like, there's a lot of shit going on. None yeah. of that will be relevant. Great. I think the only cool thing that happened this entire time was that we met Blink. Yeah, Blink's pretty cool. I do like Blink. Blink is pretty cool. Blink shows up in the uh, Days of Futures Past movie for like a brief moment. She's in the opening sequence. That like big fight in the opening sequence. Yeah, oh yeah, that's yeah, that really good opening sequence. And she's she's very cool. Yeah. I'm so excited. This is to an extent the whole reason I've been doing this like series is to get to talk to you about Grant Morrison's X-Men. Cool. So I'm so fucking excited. So wait, when, how, how long is Grant Morrison's run? I want to say it's four years. Okay. It's brief. Yeah, it is um, May 2001 to March 2004. The longer we do this, the more and more we're going to talk about how Marvel fucks everything. As a corporation. (laughs) This seems to be a running theme. It is a running theme and it will just get worse. Hell yeah. Love to see it. Mm -hmm. How you feeling? Good. Full of knowledge. Um I've it's it's all rapidly leaving my mind (laughs) as if it were being siphoned off by a powerful omega level telepath. You're better for getting all of the 90s, honestly. Yeah, it seems that way. I can I can tell your your frustration with this entire this entire exercise at this point. <sighs> so are you interested to get to the Morrison era because it's like better or just more interesting? It's because the Morrison era is the best the X-Men has ever been. Oh fuck, okay. In God my damn. opinion, like Morrison's X-Men is the pinnacle of of the X-Men. Hell yeah. And it is only it is only challenged by a, maybe two writers since with Chris Claremont and Chris Claremont from the future. Yeah, yeah. Uh exactly. It's 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 Chris Claremont, Chris Claremont as a baby from the future, <laughs> and Chris Claremont from another timeline. Uh-huh. The the alternate version, Christopher Claremont. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. God, we need to find out whatever Chris Claremont's like mom's maiden name was. And it would be, oh, yeah. There would be Chris yes. Claremont, Christopher Claremont, and there would be Chris, whatever his mom's maiden name mm-hmm. is. Schumacher. <laughs> wow. How do you feel? I feel. Does, it, does this feel like a burden lifted from you or is it? This did feel like a burden lifted because okay, I'm just I'm so on. happy to be over this. And I'm so happy uh-huh. that like, Honestly, from here out, there's a lot of like, I don't think it's ever as dark as it is with the 90s. That's good. Which is good. There are some stumbling blocks, but like nothing as bad. Mm -hmm. It's all uphill from here. Yeah. Are we ever going to talk or do you have any interest in ever talking about like how like the movies and the games and the cartoon and all that shit connects to this? Or are you... Is do are you interested in that stuff or are is your interest only in the comics? I'm interested in like the movies, the TV shows, and the comics. Never really the mm-hmm. games too much, but 
talking about the movies, especially in relation to the comics, is going to be a major, major point in the next episode, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's going to be something so maybe that is we should, uh, incredibly... Should we, like, should, wait, should I watch the movies or should I not watch the movies before you tell oh, me about them? We should, together, we should watch the first X-Men. Okay. Only the first I've seen one. the first series, the first three, mm-hmm. and then I've seen Days of Future Past, and I've seen Future... Uh, future Class? Uh, first Class. First Class. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones I've seen. Okay. Should we? So yeah, what should we do? What's our plan for going? Honestly, forward? before before we do the next episode, you and I should watch the first one, like X Men. Just just the first movie. Just the okay. first movie. Okay. I mean, by the time Morrison finishes their run, the uh, I think two and maybe three have come out. Three has three had not, but X two had. But mm-hmm. it's that's not really relevant. The first movie is what is incredibly relevant. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. So we should watch that and then we will do the next episode about the Morrison era. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we should also watch the second one just because I remember liking it. Yeah, the second one's the best. Cool. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. Um <laughs> so besides getting inundated with X-Men, yeah. What else have you been up to? Gosh, I feel like all this X-Men knowledge has pushed out all of my memories from the past week. Hmm. Um, or two weeks, I guess, because we we skipped last week. Yeah, what have I been up to? I have been um I've been watching some shows that you recommended me to watch, some anime. Uh I can talk about those. So I I've watched everything that there is so far of 16-bit sensation, which is a show about a girl who works at a like bishojo game studio and she through weird magic circumstances gets sent back in time to what is it the early 90s i think mm-hmm. um to uh another like an earlier bishojo game studio and she her whole thing is like she's she's frustrated with like the modern age because she like thinks the games suck and like her boss is an asshole and doesn't care about anything and so she gets sent back into the past and it works for this more like idyllic game developer where she's she's like so excited to get to like draw cute girls for like games that she cares about it's a cute series so far i think there's like eight episodes um and i've been like enjoying them a lot up until the very most recent episode that is not about this girl at all it like focuses entirely on a different character and it's a like I'm not going to get into it, but the storyline is completely deranged and like disconnected from anything that's been going on so far and makes literally no sense. So I would certainly recommend watching the first seven episodes. I don't know if it'll pull out of its nosedive, um, but I've been enjoying that a lot. I also watched The Magical Revolution of... What is this called? The Magical Revolution of the reincarnated the magical revolution of the reincarnated princess and the genius young lady oh yeah the genius yeah the genius young lady which is also really good the thing that is really funny about it is that it is is it i guess it's is it an isekai too or i guess she's just re- so yeah. technically it she, is she gets it's the main character of this series gets isekai into this fantasy kingdom but that literally comes up twice like they mention it in the very beginning only by showing like her having flashbacks of like the real world 
And then in the very last episode, they talk about it for one scene. And the rest of the the series, it's not mentioned at all. It's such an inexplicable part of this show that makes it would be the exact same show if that weren't the case. It's very strange. But it's a very cute series. It's like 12 episodes. I was talking to you about it, and I think the the last like third of it gets pretty bad because it just kind of is trying to wrap up a lot of storylines at once. But it's about this like this princess who uh in this world, like nobles have the power of magic, but she doesn't because she is like sent from this other world or whatever. So she invents basically like Magitech to make up for it. And it's about her collecting other cute girls with interest in magic from around the kingdom to come live with her at the castle uh and then there's like a war of succession shit that gets really boring but for the most part it's just her and a bunch of other cute girls like doing magic shit and it's very fun um so i've really been enjoying that and oh i also really quickly want to mention the game i've been playing which is afogado i've told you a little bit about this but it is a a game i don't know i must have just seen it on twitter like someone talking about it or something uh i've been following it for a little while it's a game that is like half coffee shop simulator and half it's like they call it reverse tower defense where there's like you have this like the the like that part of the game is like there are all these all these like paths drawn like and you select your characters who will travel along those paths and then at a certain point there are enemies placed as if they are like the towers of a tower defense game and the characters you are creating would be like the monsters in a normal tower defense game so you just have to like make them follow these paths in the right like you can change how the paths like uh which direction they go and stuff and it's about like managing this like party of characters as they go through and like to fight all of the enemies it's a really weird game it's like I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. Like, there's a very cool, like, barista simulation part of it that's, like, really fun. And then, like, the the tower defense part is also really fun. And it's also kind of like a visual novel about, like, this witch who shows up in the city and is, like, trying to, like, start a coffee shop because it's a good way to, like, meet people so she can, like, find out what their problems are and she can help them. And all of these parts of the game are, like, 80% there. Like... The the barista sim is a little janky and the like the other like combat part is a little bit weird. And the like the writing of the game, the writing of the game is the most interesting part to me in some ways, because it is in in for most of the time, it's like really funny and clever. And like it gets like incredibly like deep and dark in places. But then there's also parts where it just feels a little bit like it kind of needed another editing pass or it gets just really weird. I don't know. It's a very interesting game. I'm enjoying it a lot. It's the game that I've been playing like when I am going to bed to kind of wind down. It's that sort of thing. Uh, Also, all the characters are like hot anime girls. I've been sending you screenshots of the various people I've been uh, making coffee for. Oh, I will say my extremely specific complaint about the barista part of it is that it has an order it wants you to do things in. So like in order to like make coffee, you have to like literally grab coffee beans, put them in a grinder, grind the beans, take the grounds, put them in the espresso machine, add water, move the cup over to under the espresso machine, push the button to brew the coffee, like all of these steps. But there's a couple things that it does wrong. 
So like when you make a latte, there's no way to like steam the milk. You just like <laughs> pour milk into it. Um, and there's also just like little little quirks like that. But the one that drives me crazy is that to make an Americano, you do all the steps to pour a shot of espresso into a cup and then you add water on top of it. It won't let you do the water first and then the espresso, which is how you're supposed to make an Americano. Mm-hmm. And every time I do it, I'm like, I know I'm doing this wrong. <laughs> I should be, this isn't going to taste very good and I'm sorry, but it's just not letting me do it the right way. And that's been driving me crazy. But otherwise, it's been very enjoyable. Yeah, otherwise I've just been enjoying my cats slowly warming up to me. Um, One of my cats let me pet her for the first time today and I immediately almost started crying and sent you a message about it. It was very great. I'm very (laughs) happy for you. So yeah, that's been my week. how about you when you haven't been writing five pages worth of notes on your least favorite period of the X-Men? I know. Um, so one of the big things that happened is I finally got my own PlayStation 5 uh, uh-huh. because up until now, if I had to cover a game on a PlayStation 5, I would borrow my <laughs> friends. <laughs> this is how I did guides for God of War Ragnarok is I literally mm-hmm. borrowed it was harrison i borrowed harrison's playstation 5 it's a good thing you have your own playstation now because he won't let you do that anymore after we made fun of the wrong way he pronounces mr sinister sinister (laughs) but i finally got my own playstation 5 and immediately what i did is i started downloading games and it was just the most me list of games it was like Oh shit, really I can was. download Final Fantasy Type 0 and Gravity Rush 2 and oh god, what else was it? It was just wild. I was like, why am you I said doing the Team this? Eco games? Yeah, I downloaded um Shadow of the Colossus and Last Guardian, but it was just Oh, I downloaded Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Okay. And I just cool. played all evening after I set it up for the first night, I played like half an hour to an hour of all of these games. Everybody should go play Gravity Rush and Gravity Rush 2. They're incredible. Yeah. Uh, should I play Final Fantasy Type-0? Yes. Okay. Should we Should we play it and talk about it? Sure. I've never played it. I have no idea what it is. I think I convinced somebody to play it, at least. I Yes, I saw Brendan yeah. replying to you on, on Twitter about it. Which I was so happy about. My, <laughs> my real goal, my real goal for 2024, honestly, is... And I haven't been so secretive about it. I think it's very obvious. My goal for me is to convince you. And then also... (laughs) And then also I want to convince Noah and Tori of Press Start. I want to convince you all to play Drakengard 3. You haven't been secretive about it in the sense that we have openly discussed it. Yes. They, I haven't discussed you just haven't it with them. Told no Tori about they're it. gonna, they're gonna know now. But like, <laughs> listen, I think, I just think it would be neat. I think so. Uh, but besides playing just a bunch of random games, the other main thing I've been doing is uh, I'm a big fan of Jujutsu Kaisen, the anime and the mm-hmm. manga. But I've been trying to convince Zoe to watch some of it. And the way I was going to do this was I was going to show her the hidden inventory slash premature death story arc, which is the first story arc of season two, because it's like a self-contained five episode story arc. That's a flashback. And I really love it. And I was like, I'm going to show her this and convince her to watch this show with me. And she was like, fine, you can turn it on. And then we watched the first two episodes of the story arc. And then she was like, okay. Put on, put on episode one of season one. And 
because we always like need a show to just you know watch in the background um because there's like not a lot of shows right now that we really love so we've Mm -hmm. just been putting that on and within the week we have watched all of season one and we just today before starting recording we watched jujutsu kaisen zero which is the movie that um you need to watch after season one but before season two and (laughs) so now we are about to start season two which is not good news for zoe um Oh, no. Yeah. Is her fave in danger? Uh, Honestly, for like people who know what happens next, next is the Shibuya incident. And that is when shit starts getting really real. And so ominous. Yeah, it's currently the anime is just about to finish season two, which is going to like close out the Shibuya incident arc. And things are not going to be looking good. Zoe's going to be not happy. So I'm looking forward to it because it's fun. Uh, Damn. Well, my condolences to Zoe. Yeah, but I highly recommend people watch Jujutsu Kaisen. It's really fun. It is like there's a lot of fighting in it, which I don't really care too much about. But just as Zoe, like Zoe was still into it because the characters are like really great. The characters are incredibly fascinating. So I recommend people go watch Jujutsu Kaisen. Oh, yeah. But finally, finally, I think that is it for us. (laughs) Um... God, I feel like every episode we make keeps getting longer and longer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've had a lot to talk about Mm -hmm. lately. We can. That's why we skipped last week to keep the average under. (laughs) So thank you for listening. You can listen to Girl Mode Mm -hmm. anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can find us on all socials, some version of Girl Mode pod. Uh, We'll put our link tree in the show notes. You can email us questions at girlmodepod at gmail.com or send them on co-host or i don't know maybe answer a poll on spotify we'll see if we figure out if how we that figure that out if and want to drag your friend harris <laughs> hell yeah but uh, you can find me on socials at the willow row and you can find me at robin bombas um, and i do want to tease for people who um i think this would be fun for some listeners if they actually want to do this uh next episode oh, yes. We are going to be doing... No, two episodes from now. Oh, yeah. Two episodes from now. We are going to be doing our yearly thing now where we make each other play a game that we liked uh, from this year. Mm -hmm. So the games that we're going to be playing is I'm making Robin play the Cosmic Wheel Sisterhood. And Robin is making me play Slay the Princess. So Mm -hmm. you have two weeks to check out those games if you want to experience them for yourself so that you know kind of what we're talking about. Yeah. But uh, that'll be it. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm. Uh, Look forward to more X-Men in the future. Uh, In who knows how long. Or in futures past or in an alternate timeline. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) To me, my X-Men. To me. Oh, God. (laughs) can't believe that it's gonna stick around (laughs) it's tradition now girls okay you have to be quiet i'm recording a podcast okay i'm ready put your headphones on why don't you go take a nap like you normally do all day Focus up. The girls are fighting. Put your headphones on. Make sure everything's all good. Open up time.is. We got to get to, we got to get down to business.
Okay. Oh, I put a new category for the girl awards. The girl awards. For the girl <laughs> awards. <laughs> for the girlies in the dock. Okay, I want to look at it. <laughs> That's so good. Honestly, just for the entire year. Yeah. Just being like, play Final Fantasy VIII, play Octopath Traveler 2. Let me make a bunch it. of jokey TikToks. This guy, like, literally the best part about him is everything that isn't Final Fantasy 16. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me see. Am I peaking? How does my voice sound? I should probably lower my input a little bit. Do, do, do. Yeah, mine is pretty low, but I can still hear. Yeah. No, there's like cats are still showing up. I can probably yeah, turn it a little honestly lower. honestly what happens. Okay, I could probably turn mine a little lower. Ah! <laughs> are they attacking you now? <laughs> Yes. Goblin just reached up and grabbed my headphone cord. <laughs> my favorite is when um Jade at the Gamer wrote that piece after the Golden Joysticks that was like, fine, Ben Star, I'll play Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> yeah, that was and good. His response was, enjoy Triple Triad. <laughs> King. Shit. Okay. Um, do you have time? Dot is open. Mm-hmm. When do you want to clap? 49. That was quick. Yeah, we're wow. professionals. We are professionals. Children, please. I'm begging you. Okay, it's fine. There's just going to be a lot of noise to filter out later. Yeah. All right, are you good to go? Mm-hmm. Cool. 